Snap Wilson, quarterback draw on third and 15. 20, 15, 10. Oh, he's going to go. Five, touchdown, Cougars. Down the lane, back to Yo. Yo on the arc, shoots a three and scores it. Yoli Childs for three. To the right, putting a shot on goal. It is a goal for Elise Blake. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And now, here's Greg Rubel. Hello and good evening once again, Cougar Nation. We welcome you back inside Studio 2 in the BYU Radio Complex at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for another edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, our weekly hour of Cougar conversations with BYU sports personalities past and present. I am your host, Greg Grubel, and we are live across the country via satellite on BYU Radio Sirius XM 143 in northern Utah. We are heard on 107.9 FM and 89.1 FM HD2. You can also stream us live online via BYURadio.org and the BYU Radio app. On demand, you can listen by subscribing to our Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel podcast or by visiting our show page at BYURadio.org where you can see all of the shows archived. This week, I visit with one of BYU's best defensive football players of the Kalani Sitake era as I converse with linebacker Sione Takitaki. Then, it's a conversation with uh, one of the best distance runners in the world, who also just happens to be a six-time first-team All-American from BYU. His name, of course, is Jared Ward. My interview with Jared is tonight's Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU alumni. We start the show, though, with a player who, as a freshman, sacked Super Bowl starting quarterback Jared Goff when Goff was at Cal back in the day. And from that day in 2014, Sione Takitaki has come a long way from part-time starter to one of the most dominant defensive players of the last two seasons. He recently ended his BYU playing career with 14.5 sacks, 32.5 tackles for loss, 13 quarterback hurries, five pass breakups, along with multiple fumbles forced and recovered. Sione's versatility saw him excel as a defensive lineman and linebacker, playing both inside and outside for head coach Kalani Sitake, and his playmaking ability earned him invitations to multiple postseason All-Star games and now the NFL Combine, after which Sione will seek to be the latest BYU player drafted into the National Football League. Sione is in training for the Combine, and he's broken from his training routine for a short time to join me tonight behind the mic. Sione, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Greg. So can you give us an idea first up of what your schedule has really been like since you played in BYU's bowl game in Boise in late December? Yeah, it's just kind of, you know, you know kind of leading up to the year, you always knew that I was going to kind of be busy. And um, once, you know, that all-star game kind of got that um, bowl game got done, you know, everything just kind of hit me quickly, you know, after a few days after that. And, Kind of just getting up here to San Diego while I'm training and getting all located and um, getting here with all my stuff and getting all situated up here. It's, it's just been, you know, a fast, fast process. Did Did you expect to get the East-West Shrine Game invitation and was the Senior Bowl more of a surprise to you or how did that turn out uh, in, in both cases? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the NFLPA is the game that I had and um, just talked to my agent. He's just telling me, hey, you know, uh, we feel like we'll get you something better. Um, you know, not not that the NFLPA is not a great game. It's a great game too. But um, um, so I got the East West. I would say a couple of days, you know, before guys are flying out. I'd say I got that two days before I even flew out, or or the, or the day before. Um, so I went to the East West, and um, 
did some great things there. And then um, got flew back to, to San Diego, you know, from Florida. And then um, a day after, you know, the recent ball started, I got a call and saying, hey, you know, um, somebody went down. You're kind of the next guy on the list. Um, you know, kind of want to see what you want to do. You, you're willing to come out here on a late notice. And I, I was all for it. You know, I was excited to go out there and uh, try to showcase what I have. Well, I want to talk about both those All-Star Game experiences a little later, but uh, how much of what is happening right now, Sione, is the culmination of a childhood dream? Is it something you saw yourself doing from a young age, uh, being able to play at this level and, and maybe play in the NFL? Definitely. Definitely. This is a big childhood dream I always had since I was a little kid. You know, when I first started playing football at seven and eight years old, and always uh, wanted to get to the NFL and and um, knowing I knew this process was going to be pretty hard, but it's kind of it's kind of you know surreal to be in the in the moment now and kind of um, you know kind of try to do my best to get there and, and it's happening. So I'm, I'm I'm happy. Let's talk a bit about your family. Big family, right? Six siblings. You were the seventh. Yeah, yeah. I'm the youngest of seven. Four sisters, two brothers, and uh, yeah, I'm the baby. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, Rialto, California. Little city in the, in California, um, the big cities around in San Bernardino, Riverside. So probably a, a city away from San Bernardino, California. I grew up there. Um, yeah, started playing football at an early age and, and just loved it since. I, I seem to recall that uh, volleyball was somewhere in your past too. Is that right? Yeah, I played a little volleyball in high school, um, but I'd play volleyball. You know, growing up, you know, Polynesians. We just that's kind of you know a sport that's always been around families, and I'd play all the time. You know, at the church and things like that. But um. Never really got too serious. I tried it out, you know, in uh, my sophomore, freshman year in high school. I felt like if I tried a little harder, it probably could have been pretty pretty well. But, you know, it's just something to, to kill time, you know, until football. So never really took it serious. But, you know, definitely it was fun to play that. You were a two-way player in high school, as a lot of guys are, of course. But you ran for 25 touchdowns as a junior and a senior running back. Why did defense win out for you in the end? Um, I'm, just a, I'm just a defensive player. You know, I got the defense mindset, go out there, tackle guys. And I'm kind of, you know, the bigger frame. You know, I was playing, you know, a little fullback, little running back, but I was kind of, you know, a bigger body. You know, in high school, you kind of play all positions, like you said, and kind of just run over over guys. But I feel <laughs> like uh, at the next level, you know, you kind of, every, every, you know, the competition level, you know, levels up. and You know, you can't just really run past guys like that. So um, defense was, you know, kind of stuck, and I've always felt I've been um, better at defense. And so that's, that's the route I went. Can you tell me a bit about uh, your recruiting process coming out of high school? Yeah, my recruiting process was, I didn't have, I wasn't such a big recruit. I probably only had like eight or nine offers. I would say Wisconsin was the other big school, but, you know, I had, um, and the other schools are really great too, you know, but some other small, uh, Mount West, San Jose, Nevada, SDSU, schools like that. But I'm really grateful for all those offers. Um, A lot of teams would come, you know, would come to my school, but I was a little knucklehead then and, but like my coach told me just recently, he's like, hey, you know, a lot, a lot of schools want to offer, but they just heard your pass. And so um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you know, the scholarships that I did gain. And at the ultimate, I just I, I wanted to go to BYU. You know, um, my mom, you know, really wanted me to go there. And my uncle and, you know, my family grew up LDS. I would say I was a little hesitant just because, you know, I wanted to go to to another school and, and party and do all that nonsense. But at the, at the end of the day, man, you know, when I made that decision, I look back on it. I'm happy I made that decision. BYU is just a special place. And, yeah, I'm happy where I landed. And, you know, just everything, you know, the whole process, and the whole journey has been great. So I, I mentioned the Jared Goff thing in the intro. That's, that's kind of funny to think about, huh? No, yeah, it is funny. You know, there's a, I'm training over here with a, another Cal linebacker, 
named Jordan, and he's a linebacker last year. And I, I told him, yeah, man, we were kind of watching the Super Bowl together, you know, guys I'm training with here at the hotel. And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I sacked Jared Goff, you know, <laughs> just kind of being funny. And it's like funny. It's just crazy to think, man, see Jared, you know, that's when I was a freshman, I'd be able to tackle, sack him. And then now look at him, he's you know, two le- right. years later, he's, you know, one of the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. So that's pretty crazy. So I bring that, I bring that up because that was part of your freshman season in, in 2014 and, and your BYU career was getting going. How do you look back? How do you remember your freshman season of 2014? Man, you know, my, I had tons of fun my freshman year, especially just, you know, football. I learned a lot from a, a, a lot of great guys and, um, that's kind of when it kind of hit me, you know, what, what college football was all about, you know, being disciplined, um, just, you know, you can't just let your talent win, you know, all the time on the field. You know, you really got to be, you know, disciplined in everything you do, um, eat right, and what sleeping is important, all that stuff. And so that's kind of when I got a little, you know, figured out a little bit of it. But, um, yeah, man, a lot of good mentors, you know, Bronco Menhall, his staff, I, I learned a lot my freshman year, you know, just building up. My, my career from then, but yeah. 2015 was your sophomore year, and it was an incomplete season for you. It's about a half season, and then you weren't back on the field until 2017. What do you share with people about that time, and how important was that time in your life and your development as a player and a person, Sione? Yeah, I I feel like um, I needed that time off, you know, just not that I was crazy or psycho or anything, but I, I feel like um, that time that I had off kind of just ultimately made me who I am today, you know, kind of made me uh, think back, like, man, without football, you know, what else do I have? And um, It kind of left me in a lot of thought. And so I felt, I felt like I figured myself out, you know, 15, 16, and even 17 and 18, still just figuring out about everything. Yeah, I took that time off, kind of stepped away from football. And um, like I said, I figured out myself a little bit and then came back. And yeah, now we're here today, so... So whether it was 2015 with Bronco or 2016 now with Kalani, what do you say about this uh, about the kind of support both those coaches gave you during that time when you weren't playing for them? Yeah, both really good guys, really good mentors to me still to this day. Um, both really, they you know, both great coaches. They coach really different, but they're really great coaches, and I learned a lot from Bronco. You know, just coming in, I learned so much, man. He's such a great defensive mind. All that, and then and then Coach Kalani who takes me in, you know, after, you know, getting in trouble the last time I did at BYU, he still came in and and um, and took me in and taught me a lot of things I learned, you know, late in my career at BYU that I still carry on today. And so, like I said, man, I both I good relationship with both of them. I still talk to them, and man, those are my guys. Yeah, and I think it was in that time, Sione, when you were away from football uh, that you got married to Alyssa, because that would have been 2016, right? Yeah. How did you meet her, and, and how do you describe Alyssa's role in, in your progression? Man, she's the key piece to this whole where I'm at right now. You know, I always had, you know, the goal of making it to the NFL, and I was always, I felt like a great athlete. Um, but I felt like she just was my, you know, that last puzzle just of what I needed in my life. And, um, oh, man, it was heaven sand, seriously. Um, she's been a big key piece. She still is learning a lot from her you know you grow with your spouse in so many ways and I'm still growing and, and learning from her every day man every how did you meet her and was she all in from day one or was this a process oh yeah it was a, it was a, it was a process you know she definitely didn't like me at first <laughs> um I was kind of a knucklehead you know as the story said always you know I she definitely didn't like me at all 
Um, but I kind of grew on her and kind of gave her my personality and showed her, you know, the good that I had. She only heard bad from me, so she kind of stayed away from me. She was at BYU. She's a swim, uh, a swimmer. Mm-hmm. Met her at a little. Um, first time I met her was at like a little bonfire. We definitely didn't click, but um, <laughs> you know, over time, you know, I kind of just worked my magic and slowly but surely we became friends. And then, um, and then, yeah, just started dating, and and even that was crazy. She would always tell me, "Man, I can't believe it," but um. Now, you know, years later, we're married, and it's, it's a great time. And you're coming up on three years, I guess, right? Yes, sir. We're coming up on three. So, man, that's, that's, time is flying. When we come back, uh, Sione Takitaki gets back on the football field in 2017 and sees both uh, ups and downs in his junior and senior seasons for BYU with things finishing on a definite upswing in 2018, now leading him to the verge of a life in the NFL. As my conversation with Sione Takitaki continues here on Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel tonight. I'm visiting with former BYU linebacker and current NFL prospect Sione Takitaki as Sione gets ready for the NFL Combine and hopefully the NFL Draft. Exciting times. Uh, Sione, how did you feel uh, coming off the layoff you had from mid-2015 Redshirt season in 2016, you're back on the field in 2017. How ready did you feel to kind of finish things off the right way at BYU? I felt charged up. I felt ready to go. You know, I was ready to, you know, to, to rewrite what I what I started. And then, uh, and I came ready to go. Like, I was, I, energy was high, and I, I was ready to do whatever I, I could to, to, to get on the field and, um, yeah, and to dominate, so... In 2017, you set your personal season highs. You had five sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss. So personally, things are going well. But the team itself struggled, uh, especially on offense. Uh, you, you could argue the defense at times was doing what it had to do. But how, how do you look back on that 4-9 and nine season, your junior year uh, of 2017? Yeah, that, that, that year was tough. You know, we had a lot of good players, and we felt like we could do better, you know. Um, but, you know, ending the season 4-9. I feel like kind of sets them up, you know, sets us up for next year and what, getting better. And then I feel like this year, man, they're going to take off. Just, you know, all the players that was from that 4-9 and nine season and then building on that, I feel like, you know, they're going to be a great team. But, yeah, man, that that, 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 that time sucked, man. I can't really think back too much about it because I didn't ponder on it too long. But, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it, it was just a sad, sad moment. So as a group of BYU Cougars, how much did 4-9 and nine kind of drive and motivate you guys in the offseason, and then how excited were you to kind of hit the reset button in 2018 as a team? Yeah, we were all excited, ready to go. I feel like all of us had something to prove, and so, you know, we, we brought it every day. The energy was high every day. You know, the workouts was, was um, there's a lot of energy there. You know, everyone was doing extra, and so, yeah, every, everybody was, like I said, man, everybody was, Ready to prove something. Everybody was there to do something better in 2018 um, and a lot of extra work, so it was great to see that. We, we think of you as a linebacker, Sione, but uh, you were also a rush end as a defensive lineman for a time as well. Yeah, I, I would say that 2017, I learned I, I learned so much being a, a defensive end, a true defensive end who has to hold the edge and, and play the run big up front like that. But I look back and I feel like it wasn't my spot, but I'm happy I played that. You know, I learned some. Um, key tools that I, that I carried on in my career, and it was 
good to put all that in film and show scouts and NFL teams that you know I can I can come on I can hold the edge too and things like that. But um, you know I never thought bad about it. I always felt like I progressed, and um, even though the season didn't go you know as planned, like five sacks, twelve TFLs, you know I could do much better than that. You know, but um, yeah, I progressed, and and so that was the plan. Outside linebackers closest to maybe in position to a, to a rush end, but uh, but inside linebackers a different deal. And you've seen it all, haven't you? Yes, sir. You know, 2018 I played outside backer for you know a couple games, and then went to inside backer. I feel like I'm comfortable playing both of them. You know, definitely inside backer is a lot of fun. You know, you're in the action, uh, especially with the scheme that they run at BYU. You know, you're in the mix, and you're always going to be in tackles and things like that. But um, yeah, I'm comfortable with both. You know, off the edge you can. Outside linebacker, you can play off the edge and rush the QB. You know, there's certain stuff there that um, you can't do at inside linebacker, but, you know, both is really fun. You can do a lot at both, so. A couple of highlights from 2018, uh, the Wisconsin game, certainly. Uh, big for the team and big for you. They're ranked number six. They had been forever since they'd lost a, a non-conference home game. You have 12 tackles in that game, seven solos, and you guys get a win that uh, made national news and, and put you in the rankings. A big deal for you and the team. Yeah, man, that's a game that I'll never forget, you know, especially with that group of guys, man. We've been, um, and I felt like we should have kept that, you know, we're on a high and we should have kept that. But, um, like I said, man, that's a, that's a great win and, and, and a win that, you know, uh, all of us will remember forever, you know, BYU and then the group of guys that was in the locker room, those coaches. Um, man, I, I feel like that's probably, if not the best game I've ever played in, that, that's, that's up there, man. Seriously. You had double-digit tackles five more times after the Wisconsin game. Five times in the last six games, actually. It felt like you were you were peaking by the end of your senior season. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I felt, I felt that way. I started to pick up a lot of stuff that I when I moved to inside linebacker that I didn't know before. And just getting coached by all those great coaches, you know, Coach Ataki, Coach Ed Lamb. Man, I learned so much from Ed Lamb this last year. You know, what a great coach. Um, Coach Tuyaki, you know, the defense coordinator is so smart. They just taught me so much in that last time when I moved the inside back that I was able just to, to use and to, and, and advantage to my game every game. And that's why I felt like I was, like you said, I felt like every game I was just increasing in what I was doing, you know, getting more tackles, um, being more disruptive, just all the little stuff, fine-tuning all that stuff. So, yeah, man. When it comes to peaking, when it comes to peaking at the very, very end, uh, in the bowl game against Western Michigan, you have 19 tackles career high, career high nine solo tackles, you have a sack, team gets a big win, and you guys finish above 500. It was it was like the uh, the perfect way to finish off uh, uh, the season, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, to go off like that and get a win, and then, um, like you said, go positive 500, it's, it's an awesome feeling, you know, to go from 4-9, no bowl game, um, to going 7-6, win bowl game. Um, they're definitely on the up. Uh, BYU's definitely on the up, uh, that football team. Definitely on the. They have so much. They have, their talent is up through the roof right now, man. There's a lot of guys in that room that are young, ready to go, and have got game film. And, and man, the most important position is coming back. The quarterback position. He's so talented, young man. I, he's worked so hard. It's they're going to be so dominant in 2018. I can already see it. But um, yeah, man, I'm I'm so happy for them. Seriously, you know the coaches, everybody. You know they 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 got a good schedule coming up, and it's going to be it's going to be awesome to see. That's great to hear from your perspective. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of bowl games played, about 40 bowl games. 
And, and a lot of people that, that, that do these things, Sione, came up with uh, the all-bowl team, you know, the best players from all the different bowl games. And you were popping up as a linebacker in almost everyone's list uh, of the best of the bowl season. How much did that mean to you in a postseason with so many games that people looked at you and said that guy really stood out? I felt, I, I felt really good. You know, I didn't really ponder on it too much because I knew, you know, the journey I had coming up while I'm still in it. So I didn't really ponder on it, but it was, you know, great. You know, my wife pulled it up a couple times, showed me, and I saw it all on BYU football. So it was pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, man, I didn't, I didn't ponder too much. I knew that uh, I had some bowl games, uh, some All Star games that I had to get to. So my mind was already, you know, moving forward. But I, it was, it was awesome to see it. You know, I was really excited. You know. To see all that stuff. What did you learn most about the All Star games you played in, and not just the games themselves, but 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 the the work that goes into the games and the practice time you get with uh, with pro guys and 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 some of the best players in the college game? Yeah, man, it was those those All Star games taught me a lot. Just in that little time, I learned so much. You know, just to come in, learn playbooks so fast, and and uh, to compete at a high level, just like that, with all the best athletes in the country. You know, that's playing football in college, so. Um, learned so much from all those coaches that I was coaching and even just the players, you know, being around, you know, that high energy every day, and, um, what the NFL wants in us and all those meetings, retiring, there's, there's tons of stuff, man. They put you through a lot. They feed you, you know, a lot of crap, but uh, you got to be disciplined, and especially in those times. You know, I went two weeks. Guys don't go two weeks, you know, with the All-Star games like that. I went two weeks in a row, man, and just pounding. And uh, it's, it's brutal on your body, but you got to be disciplined. Make sure you get rest, hydrate, things like that. So it was good. And then that's the thing. You're not drafted yet, but you're already living like a pro, right? You, you've got an agency, so you're working with people. You've been invited to the combine. You know what to prep for. You're probably in a strict uh, you know, diet regimen and workout regimen. You're living life like a pro, aren't you already? Yeah, yeah, man. Like you said, yeah, all, all what you said, kind of what I'm living now, you know, you prepare your meals, you know, you train a certain time, you do a lot of stuff, a little – not that in college I wasn't doing it, but now it's just fine-tuned to, to, to the ultimate highest level now. And so um, I'm really happy. You know, I've always loved football and loved everything about football. So doing everything, you know, now this is I feel like this is my job now. It's, it, it, it's exciting, too, at the same time. So I'm enjoying every process. What uh, what helped you pick an agency and, and what, what made it feel like the right thing and, and how important is someone like that in getting done what you hope to get done? Yeah, they had a, uh, a lot of great guys, and then um, and it was it was a hard process. There's a lot of great ones, but the ones that I the guy that I choose, Kenny Zuckman, he was just such a a workaholic. He was a guy that was gonna you know put in the time, and he was making calls and things and um, calling people right away. And I liked it that about him. Um, not that the other guys weren't, but I just felt like you know meeting him with my wife and my family, things like that. It, it went well prayed about a little bit and I felt like it was right so I made that decision. Okay, the uh, NFL draft itself is almost exactly two months away. Uh, the NFL Combine is coming up real quick. NFL Combine starts next week, right? Yes, sir. How fired up are you for that experience? I'm excited for it. This Combine process, I hear it's, it's a tough one. You know, I'm still calling teammates that went through it, just trying to get the feel. But um, I'm excited for it. I hope to go over there and dominate, you know, everything I've been training for, hit all my numbers, um, open some eyes, you know, at the combine. And uh, I've a lot of great interviews with, with um, teams and head coaches and things like that. Um, but just kind of put my best foot forward. But um, hopefully I get done and come back to Pro Bowl 
you know, right after the combine, you know, if the numbers that I've been training for hit, I'll probably be back in Provo. But, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's a crazy process. I'm excited for it all. Last couple things, Sione. Uh, whether it's a 3-4 or a 4-3 uh, that you end up in, uh, what do you see yourself playing at the next level? Yeah, teams have me in the 3-4 middle linebacker position. They like that I played off the edge, so they're comfortable putting me in certain packages. You know, with all the teams I've been talking, coaches I've been talking, they love putting me you know, off the edge. They're comfortable with that. But in the 3-4, they want me a middle linebacker. And in the 4-3, they're comfortable putting me at an outside backer, but I'm most likely a middle linebacker. So hmm. kind of good I played all those positions. Puts me in a good spot. But um, I would say middle linebacker in both 4-3 and 3-4. Uh, what's your weight right now? I'm 235 right now, kind of where I want to stay. I'll probably weigh in at the combine around 238, 239, but um, I'll probably run all my drills and stuff like that, probably 235. Bunch of BYU guys in the NFL right now. Uh, Taysom Hill gets a lot of attention, of course, with the Saints. But then beyond Taysom, pretty much pretty much everyone else is going to be a defensive guy, right? We're talking about Fred Warner and KVN and Ziggy and Danny Sorensen and Michael Davis. So the BYU defense has a presence right now in the NFL, and, and you hope to be proud of it too, right? Exactly, yeah, that's the plan, you know, and especially, you know, Fred and KVN, what they're doing right now in the league um, is, is really good for me, you know, the linebacker guys, so teams are looking, oh, man, if they're, if they're doing good, maybe BYU, you know, so it all plays a part, um, and I'm willing to go join them, and, and I can't wait, it's exciting. Well, we're going to let you get back to work, getting ready for the combine, we'll be tuned in for every drill you run, every time you're on the screen, we'll be uh, paying a lot of attention, and that goes for Cougar Nation, too, so best of luck in prep for the combine, hope it goes well, hope to see you back in Provo, and then, of course, in two months on NFL Draft Days, we hope that you hear your name where you want to hear it. By the way, have you sensed, do you get a sense of where you might go round-wise, or are you keeping it wide open right now? Keeping it wide open, you know, I don't want to say anything, um... Just hearing a lot of good stuff, though, you know, with, with my name rising. But definitely, you know, definitely you never know. So just excited if I get called. So it doesn't really, you know, whatever team takes a chance on me, I'm, I'm excited. They'll be happy, and Cougar Nation will be happy right with them. Uh, Sione, thanks so much for your time. Have a great night. All right, you too. All right, that is uh, former BYU linebacker Sione Takitaki. And when Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel continues, it's a conversation with former BYU distance runner and world-class Olympian marathoner. Jared Ward, right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org, and the BYU Radio app. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Behind the Mic and this evening's Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni. Want to help BYU students but don't know how? You can with BYU Alumni Chapters. Find the chapter that fits you at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. And tonight, it's my conversation with former BYU cross-country and track All-American and USA Olympic marathoner Jared Ward, a Northern Utah high school product who served an LDS mission before embarking on his BYU running career. Jared became a two-time first-team All-American in cross-country at BYU and a four-time first-team All-American in events ranging from the 3,000-meter indoor to the 10,000-meter outdoor. He was also a miler in his spare time, clocking a personal best just under 404 indoors. Late in his BYU racing career, he dabbled in marathon prep and ran the Chicago Marathon while still running for the Cougs. After graduation, the marathon began to take center stage in Jared's running life, and he went on to finish third at the 2016 USA Olympic Trials, going on to a phenomenal finish in Rio, placing sixth 
He has since run and finished prominently in Boston and New York. He'll be back in Boston again in just a few weeks. Jared is still on campus regularly, serving as an adjunct faculty member in the Department of Statistics, specializing in areas of emphasis that also relate to his life as an athlete. He's the father of two, including a newborn, and he joins me tonight here in Studio 2, Behind the mic. Hello, Jared. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me on, man. It's always uh, it's always fun to sit next to the voice of the BYU Cougars. <laughs> it's an honor to have you in. Uh, first of all, let's start with uh, let's start with the newborn component of that introduction. Sure. Tell us how things are going there. So she's actually uh, Julia, or sorry, Magnolia is our fourth. So we just brought a father home. of four, and the, yeah. but you do have the. Th- uh, this is now your fourth, not second. Yeah, okay, yeah. Good. So we uh, we have now a small herd at home. Um, but man, they're uh, they're cute. I figure if uh, if they keep coming out looking like their mom, we can have as many as she wants. But hey, you know, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Well, now that we got the number right. Let's name them all. Is that okay? Okay. okay. Yeah, we, this is a good test for me too. <laughs> so we got Paul, who's uh, six, and then Ellie's four, Julia's two, and Magnolia is uh, four weeks. Just weeks. Yes. Anyone who follows you on social media knows about the uh, about the newness of this situation. Uh, and your wife's name again? Erica. Is Erica. Okay. Uh, how early in your life uh, were you attracted to, to running? Early. In fact, I, I loved it even in elementary school because it seemed like I was better when, uh, when PE day was race the mile than when PE day was flag football or basketball or something like that. I think when I was when I was in the fifth grade, I think I was the shortest of all of the fifth graders in the school. And so um, so I loved running then. I think part of it was just because I was relatively good at it. But I but I remember uh, sticking around after school in the days leading into when we were going to run the mile in PE and I'd practice and. You know, I, I wouldn't say that I became really committed to it until late in in my high school running, but uh, but I loved it early. Okay, so once you're late in high school running, um, what's attracting you to BYU at this point, and were you always BYU bound as long as they would have you? No, you know, I I did like BYU, um, and they they were in my sights, but um, but you know, I it wasn't until late late in high school that um, that I had you know, really interest from, from the staff down here and, hmm. and uh, call from Coach Eyestone. And I remember him showing up to recruit me and he was wearing an Olympic ring, you know, from 92 or whenever he was in Barcelona there. And, uh, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. This coach went to the Olympics. And, uh, and then I, it was really when I came on a recruiting trip that I, that I bit into BYU and realized that it really is something unique here. You know, it's a different locker room experience than I'd had um, at, at, on other recruiting recruiting visits and uh, and just the culture and type of guys on the team and the coaching staff and um, and the campus. I mean, it was just, it, it really blew my mind. And uh, and so it just took a couple of days on a visit and, and I thought, this is where I want to be. What did it mean to you even then to have Ed Eystone as a coach? It meant a lot. Um, you know, he's, uh, I think he's so good um, at letting athletes develop. You know, he, he's kind of a... I don't know. I feel like he trains leaders really well. Um, he he leaves enough wiggle room in his system for guys to kind of figure out what's working for them and give them an opportunity to lead. And I feel like his the culture that he establishes is really um, is really a leadership driven culture, and and he breeds that here. and uh, And it doesn't take long to pick up on that when you spend some time with him or, or around the team. Um, and and I think that makes a huge difference for for some of the success that these guys are having. I mean, they are running so mm-hmm. well on teams that are 
primarily Utah boys. You know, yep. it's the recruiting pool for BYU um, is a little bit more limited when when athletes who come here have to commit to living the honor code, and 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 it's a lot tighter. And so uh, I think it's amazing what he's been able to do. How much does uh, Ed's reputation precede him? And then once you're involved with him, how much does none of that even matter? That it's he's just a coach <laughs> and he never brings it up. It doesn't really talk. He, you know, occasionally there's an Olympic ring to show, but sure. uh, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, it's kind of funny every once in a while when you know we'll be doing a workout and coach will say, you know what, I ran this workout uh, two weeks before I ran 27:41 in the 10k, and um, and we'll say, you know, so what splits did you hit in this workout? And he'll say, well, this is what you know. He was he was uh, ready with his splits to let us know, mm-hmm. but. But it does. It really doesn't come out very often, and it's it's more that you know I'll be traveling now, and I'll go to some obscure race in some remote part of the country, and they'll say, "Oh, how's old Eddie Eyestone doing?" We used to love watching him race, and and it's amazing in the running world how he still commands a lot of respect. Absolutely. Where did uh, where did you intend your running focus to be once you got to BYU? You know, I I was just here, and and it really wasn't looking that far in front of me uh, as a. As a senior in high school, um, I, I finished high enough to be the alternate for an international trip for a junior, a junior level race. And so I was fitted with a Team USA kit. And I got to look at myself in a mirror uh, before I took it off and gave it back to them and then didn't go. You know, I was just the <laughs> alternate. Um, but I remember looking at myself in the mirror thinking, I look good in this. And I did set a goal to someday get a USA kit. And there's a lot of ways you can do it. There's a lot of different races and, and, and you know, Pan-American type stuff and cross-country. And, and I thought, after BYU, I want to keep running long enough to at least get a kit. And that was in the back of my mind early at BYU. But really, it was, it was climbing the rakes. It was, you know, it was making the, the traveling squad, and it was uh, shooting for All-American finishes mm-hmm. in, the, in the postseason. I, I really was just focused on what was ahead of me at BYU, I would say. You served a mission before you started running at BYU, right? Yeah. So you had the four straight years once you got to BYU. Can you sum up your first couple of seasons, your freshman and sophomore years? You know, it's an adjustment. You know, I, I, I was running 40 miles a week in high school, and the guys on the team here were running 90 miles a week. And, um, and so even when coach is, is moving up my mileage incrementally, you know, 50 miles or 55 miles a week, I was getting shin splints and stress reactions, and I, it, was, it was a struggle to stay healthy. Um, any doubts at that point? Yeah. Well, I, and I don't know. I, I was running well. You know, I was on the traveling squad after redshirting and, and as a freshman in cross country. But it, it wasn't fun, I didn't feel like, because I, I wasn't able to run as much as the guys. I was cross training in between workouts. Workouts didn't feel smooth because uh, I wasn't in great shape running high mileage. I could kind of grind through the workout, but it was hard. And, and I remember thinking, hey, I, I was engaged at the time to my, my high school sweetheart. Um, and and uh, we were a month away from getting married and starting our family. And I loved the statistics I was studying. And I remember thinking, I don't have to run. You know, I, I, I got all these other stuff in my life that I love. I don't have to run. And I remember in the middle of this workout thinking, when I finish this workout, I'm going to tell Coach Stone I just don't want to do this anymore. That was a real thought. A real thought. And it, But I thought, well, if it's going to be my last workout, I got to finish my workout and I'm going to run it well. <laughs> um, so I, was, I still had a little bit of the grit grind in me, I guess. But I went in and talked with Coach Stone and just said, hey, I'm, I'm really not having fun with this. And, um, and he kind of just talked easy with me, helped me identify some things that I liked about it and said, hey, but it's, you know, it's always your call. You know, you decide what you need to do with your life. And, and I remember going home and praying that night and really the thoughts that came to me were, were father's blessings that talked about running. It was a mission president blessing at the end of my mission where he talked about running and, and a number of 
things where I felt like I was just supposed to be a runner. And when I felt kind of that feeling flood over me, um, there was a, I don't know, I, I became really, I guess, galvanized to the reality that God wanted me to run. And so after that, it was a lot easier in those hard workouts because I thought, well, it, it might not be fun right now, but this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's, it's a lot easier to, to live life doing mm. what, what you feel like you're supposed to be doing than living life wondering what you're supposed to be doing. And, and so I, I didn't question it after that. And, uh, and then things seemed to kind of work out. So most of the All-America citations you hoped to earn when you got here came in your junior and senior seasons in both cross-country and track. And then it was in your senior season um, that the marathon came into your life in, in, in kind of an interesting way because you were uh, in, in an imposed break, let's call it, when that became something to do. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It was a, you know one of those blessings in disguise. I had lost eligibility for my um, for my. Uh, cross-country season because when I got back from my mission, I ran a coach's race at a junior high race that my brother was in. And, and it, you know, it was kind of just fit into this perfect niche of rules in the NCAA where they— A pure technicality. Yeah. Almost. You know, I mean, yeah. The, the rule—I mean, they have rules to prevent people from training and racing and then entering the NCAA at age 25 and, and running over all over these 18-year-olds. But because I had served a mission, I hadn't started my college yet. I was 21 years old. I ran a race that they deemed a race because there was a clock and a finish line. And it was a it fun race. It was literally race. at a junior high? Yeah. It was a, I mean, <laughs> people were dressed up in this race. It was coaches running, you know, 40-minute 5Ks. And um, and they just said, hey, you know, you're old and you haven't started school. I was 21. And, and so we're going to start your eligibility clock and take away a season. And mm. and we appealed it and appealed it and appealed it and, it. and it just didn't come back. And so we decided to make the most of it when it got around to my senior year because I still had track eligibility left, but mm-hmm. nothing in the fall. And coach said, well, you know, I think that you're going to be a marathoner. He had seen something in my stride and efficiency that led him to believe I might be good at that. And and so I ran the Chicago Marathon and it was my first marathon and qualified for the Olympic trials. And, <laughs> and you know, really, I felt like so, you know, fast forward a little bit, the Olympic trials, the trial race to decide who gets to go to the Olympics mm-hmm. was my fourth marathon. And I don't think that I would have had the experience necessary to make that Olympic team, the exposure to the marathon, without that first marathon. And so it's kind of an interesting way that it seemed like God had his hand in in uh, giving me that early exposure and the opportunity to, to move up. And the bonus is, later in that fall, you do get approved to re-enter yeah. competition, so and then you get to end up at the most important time of the year <laughs> running with your guys. It was crazy. You know, so a month after the Chicago Marathon, um, a basketball player for Colgate returned from his mission, played church ball. Same thing, 21 years old, playing a basketball game in church. And so his eligibility was taken. The media made a big deal about it. It got reversed. And so BYU said, hey, you reversed that one. Let's let's go to bat one more time. And our awesome compliance department here went to work on it. And I was given back my eligibility eight days before the national meet and uh, got to join the team again. And another All-America citation was the result. It barely hung on for that one, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for a short break. When we come back, uh, the BYU running career of Jared Ward concludes, but uh, now the professional career takes off. And when Behind the Mic with Greg Will continues, we'll talk about that. You're listening to us here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org, and the BYU Radio app. Back after this.
Welcome back to Behind the Mic, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Here's your host, Craig Rubel. We are back on Behind the Mic, visiting with former BYU All-American runner and now one of America's elite marathoners, Jared Ward. Uh, once you were done as a collegiate runner in, in 2014, do you have a pretty clear idea now uh, of the direction your pro career was going to go? No, not at all. I mean, uh, so I had one more year of graduate school when I finished up my college eligibility. So I was still here on campus and still studying. And I thought, you know, I'd give this uh, this professional or call it semi-professional at the time running career a stab just because I'm still in school. I could still train and run like I've always done. Um, just try to make a little bit of money at it. And um, that year went well enough that at the end of that year, my wife and I decided that I would take a year off before applying to PhD programs. I thought I wanted to teach statistics. And so I, I, we were going to apply to PhD programs, but we decided to take a year off and, uh, and really gear up for the Olympic trials and give that everything I had. And then it went well. And so uh, from that point, the, the running career kind of took off and the, the thoughts of going back to school for a PhD slowly <laughs> fizzled. The Chicago Marathon clearly had wet the appetite. And, yes. and you, you're 216-something right around mm-hmm. there in, in Chicago, right? Um, so between then and, and the trials, which were a good two, well, uh, two and a half years mm-hmm. later probably, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was happening with you running at that point? Uh, so I finished my college career um, with a broken leg on the side of the track. So my last race as a senior, I knew I had a stress reaction in my fibula. Um, we decided to still try to run regionals to qualify for nationals on it because I was in the best shape of my life. I really thought um, I had a chance that year at certainly podiuming and maybe maybe winning. Um, so we decided to just give it a go. And in the middle of that race, my leg broke the rest of the way through that, that regional race. So my college career finished with a broken and leg. Um, but, um, but I was anxious to get a jump start on this next season as a professional runner. And so I had him spin me a waterproof cast and tried to swim on it and then got biking on it. And then, uh, so call it, I guess about four months after the broken leg, I ran the twin cities marathon in 2014, which was the U S championships that year and finished second. And so it set up a good trajectory for the next year where I went and ran the U.S. championships again this year, this time in Los Angeles, and, uh, and won that. And, uh, and so it was really after that race um, in uh, early 2015 and right before I graduated from, from graduate school that I started thinking I'd have a chance at the Olympic, at making the Olympic team. You know, it was, it was then that I really would say I set that as a goal. And trials were one year after, one year after at that, that point. And, uh, and to make the Olympic team, you've got to finish? Top three. Top three. And you finished? Third. Third. Right there. Uh, <laughs> it's, almost like, it's almost like winning, right? Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. When, when, when you're trying to get on the, on the Olympic team, third is pretty much as good as first. Yeah. Isn't it? It, it certainly was for me. Yeah. And, and so um, you talked about the USA kit, and now you know you're going to be in one for real at an Olympics, um, real sense of accomplishment. Yeah, it was incredible. You know, I, I, I'll never forget that trials race. I think that was the hardest race I ever ran. It was about 80 degrees in Los Angeles and, um, and there were some mix-ups on the water on the course. So we were all really dehydrated. I estimate I lost upwards of two gallons of water that race, Mm. uh, you know, probably 10% of my body weight. And at the end of that race, I was struggling. And I remember thinking, um, I don't know if I can make it. And then when I realized that there were so many people who had invested in me to have this opportunity, 
that I, I owed my best performance to to parents and coaches and and my wife and kids and all this supporting staff. And I, I didn't feel like I had to make the team, but I felt like I had to give it my all. And so when I hit that finish line, I really felt like I had dug deeper into the well than I had ever done before and and felt like I was proud to have done the you know to have accomplished that as a reflection of the investments that people had made in me it was man it was crazy special so so these weren't just uh fleeting thoughts of oh i've got a lot of support these were tangible moments that were pushing you through hard moments 100% i remember a camera truck in front of me with 2 miles to go and i remember looking into the lens of that camera and imagining these people watching this race. I'm in third, wondering if I can make it. And, you know, and you'd say, well, I was in third and, and I didn't know how far back the next fourth place was, but, but I knew I had at least 30 seconds, which is a pretty good buffer. So I'm sure everyone watching was thinking, oh man, it's a lock, but I did not feel like that. My legs were lead. I thought, I, I was having thoughts of, I don't even know if I'm tough enough to do this. I might just step off the course. You know, it just, it was just so hard. And, um, and it was moments like that, that I thought, no, you know, this is, uh, this is more people's race than just mine. And, um, yeah, it was a very real, I mean, I think that became a mantra going forward, you know, and I think, I think the reality is that for most of us, we rarely cross any finish lines alone. You know, there've been people who have mentored us and set us up for success. And, um, and it became a real motivator to think that what I was doing was a reflection of the investments that people had made. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that became a powerful, powerful motivator. You finished the uh, you crossed the line at two thirteen. Was it two thirteen even for the yeah, trials? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and now you've got the Olympics in Rio six months later, and and you somehow knocked ninety seconds off of your trials time in the Olympics. Yeah, well, it's the right race to have the good one, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> and it's still to this day your best one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So hot, hum- you know, I'd never run in humidity like that before, and I don't know that I expected to PR, but training went really well. And I went into that race uh, as fit as I'd ever been and um, still feel grateful that uh, that that the the best race of my life was was the one that I would have picked for it. A top 10 in the Olympics. And, you, you know, uh, Greg, they made some of the media made fun of me for being the most excited sixth place finisher <laughs> they'd ever seen. <laughs> Is that true? But, yeah, it was really true. But I was, you know, I guess, and maybe we don't see a lot of excited sixth place finishers at the Olympics, I guess. But, but I was pretty jazzed by it. I thought... I but couldn't have really hoped to do better. In a world of marathoners, this, it's a pretty big world. <laughs> and, and you're number six on that day. What an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah, I was happy. Yeah, justifiably so. And, uh, and, and there's more running to come. The Olympics in, uh, in, in 2020 are forthcoming. And that's on your radar. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Trial race uh, next year is in Atlanta in February. And, um, and so after Boston, that's really where my sights are set. You ran Boston in 2017, missed it last year due to injury. You're training for it now for 2019. You've run New York back-to-back years, just finishes the top Amer- American in New York this past fall. Um, and so this is a thing that's, um, that's become um, more than just uh, a hopeful thing for you. You're one of the elite marathoners in the country and the world. Um, how do you view what you've been able to accomplish to this point? You know, really with a lot of gratitude, I think, you know, when I, when I look at 
the making an Olympic team, that's, it's a really fragile experience, Greg. I mean, it happens every four years and you get sick on the wrong day and that's it. You know, you come back and try again the next four years. And so I feel very blessed to have the opportunities that I've had. Um, and I'd say last, you know, the last Olympic cycle, I really went in just feeling grateful to be there, but I left feeling like I deserved to be there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I'm excited to go into this next Olympic cycle, um, with a higher dose of confidence and, and higher aspirations. How's your Boston training uh, coming along? And uh, what are your aspirations here in a few weeks? You know, training's been fantastic. So, uh, you know, it's been, you know, I had, I struggled with injury in 2017 and through, you know, really half of 2018. Um, And so, you know, knock on wood, I'm really healthy right now. And, um, and training's been going really well. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited for this race in, in six or seven weeks here. Um, Do you keep goals personal or do you, do you mind throwing a time out there saying that's, or or do you try and keep that just something? No, hundred percent. Boston's one of those races where uh, weather dictates a lot of, yeah, of, of the outcome in terms of time. Um, and uh, they've assembled an incredible field this year. But but barring uh, crazy weather or, or, you know, with with good fortune and some good weather, I'd like to run 209. I really I've felt like my 211 in in Rio in hot, humid conditions would probably translate to a couple minutes faster if I got the right conditions on the right day. And, um, and I think I'm approaching that Rio fitness, this training cycle. And so, so yeah, I'd like to break 210. Um, I'd like to finish as, as high up as I can. And, and one of these days, I'd really love to be on the podium in one of these major marathons. So that's the goal. You're going to find some time in the midst of your training to help uh, aspiring runners and their coaches this weekend. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to, kick off a uh, high school camp this week and in Salt Lake City at the Salt Lake Running Company. Um, I've, I've loved coaching. You know, I'm a volunteer assistant coach here with the cross-country guys here. Mostly that just means I run with them. Right. Um, but uh, I've, I've loved this coaching idea, and I'm finally uh, set up in a way that I feel like I can afford the time to do it in, in the, you know, this kind of online group coaching way. But, um, but we've decided to incorporate some high school, uh, some high school athletes in coaching, and, and we're going to do that through a series of some running camps with, uh, with the first one kicking off the outdoor season this weekend. Would it be too late to get in? Absolutely, absolutely not. Uh, the endurestrong.com slash track camp um, will give you all the info you need on that. And uh, no, we'll take, we'll take signups all the way until we're at capacity or, or the thing starts. So, And it's for runners and their coaches, right? Yeah, coaches. So coaches are free. You know, we, we encourage, you know, I really want the reach of, of uh, this to, to kind of get out there. And, and so we, we're encouraging coaches to come for free um, for, the, for the kids. It's a four-hour clinic for $99, and uh, we're excited to have as many as want to come. 30 seconds left with you. How's the adjunct faculty work coming along? It's awesome. <laughs> I love my students. I love teaching. And it's all stats all the time. Yeah, always stats and, uh, and incorporating a little bit of research in the stuff that I'm interested in, but really it's the class time with the students that's the most fun to me. Well, this was fun talking to you. Thanks for coming in and making time in your life uh, for this interview. Hey, absolutely, Greg. Anytime. Thanks a lot, Jared. My interview with Jared Ward was tonight's Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni. BYU Alumni Chapters help students in need and spread the influence of the Y around the world. Stay connected for good and find your chapter at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. I'm back to wrap up tonight's show right after this.
Well, thanks for joining us tonight on Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel this Wednesday, February 20th. And thank you to my guests this evening, former BYU linebacker Sione Takitaki, an Olympic marathoner, and former Cougar All-American Jared Ward. On next week's show, my guests are graduating BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum and former BYU linebacker Cameron Jensen. My thanks tonight to coordinating producer Terry South with production assistance from Cole Wissinger. For Terry and Cole, my name is Greg Grubel, and I thank you for joining me behind the mic here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Until next week, good night and go Cougs. You have been listening to Behind the Mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to the podcast at byuradio.org.